right? One of the reasons that Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time is he had this habit of pointing out some random thing around him and then using that as an opportunity or an illustration to describe what the kingdom of God is like. And so there was one time where he's walking along with the disciples and he's like, hey boys, see that tree over there? The kingdom of God is like a tree that bears good fruit in a season. There was another time where he grabbed a little kid that was running around just going crazy, screaming. He grabbed this kid up, puts him in his lap, and he says, hey, anyone who wants to come to God has to come to God like this little child. So he takes these kind of random things from the world around him, and he uses them as opportunities to teach and preach about God. Our At the Movies series is really the same kind of teaching. We highlight something that doesn't feel particularly spiritual. We take like secular Christmas movies, but what we do is we watch clips of them together, and we discover that Christmas movies in particular are teaching spiritual truth. Some of that spiritual truth is very good. Some of it is less than good. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to watch a few clips from the funniest Christmas movie ever made. You can tell because of how Jack Landman is dressed right now. We are going to be talking about 2003's hit masterpiece, Elf. And listen, I want you guys to relax. I want you to enjoy yourself. You should have a lot of fun today. Laugh at the jokes on the movies. Enjoy the popcorn and the coffee or the soda or whatever it is that you brought with you. But hear me now, the goal isn't merely to entertain ourselves. Like that's not the sole goal. It's part of the goal. And definitely, I want you to be entertained. But the, the real reason that we're showing the movie Elf today is because I believe Buddy the Elf, the main character, has a lot to teach us on the subject of joy. When I think about Buddy, I think about somebody who has true joy. So we're going to watch the first clip of the movie. And I'm going to warn you, this first clip is like seven minutes long. None of the other ones are even close to this. But we're going to roll the opening scenes of the movie Elf. We're going to set up the reason that Buddy experienced so much joy. And then we're going to talk about how we can have that same level of joy this Christmas. So let's roll clip number one. Maybe by next Christmas you'll have a home. Merry Christmas, my angel. successful year. Yeah. So, 
after all that hard work, it's time to start preparations for next Christmas. What in the name of Sam Hill is that? Little Buddy Diapers. His name is Buddy. He must have snuck into your sack at the orphanage. What do we do? So, Santa had a decision to make. Fortunately, when it comes to babies, Santa's a, a pushover. So Buddy stayed with a, an older elf who had always wanted a child, but had been so committed to building toys, he, he well, had forgotten to, to settle down. Santa! Yes, yes, I, I raised Buddy. I was his adopted father. Though a Buddy grew twice as fast, he, he wasn't any different from the other children. <laughs> Too fast, Buddy. <laughs> I mean, not, not really. Now, before we learn how to build the latest in extreme graphic chipset processors, let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? Number one. Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. As much as uh, Buddy was accepted by his family and friends, there were a few drawbacks to being a a human in a, an elf's world. Hey, Ming Ming. Um, I'm gonna be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many extra sketches did you get finished? Come on, buddy, how many? I made, uh, 85. Eighty-five? That puts you... 915 off the pace. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <gasps> no, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. We all just have different talents, that's all. Seems like everyone else has the same talents except for me. You you have you have lots of talents. Uh special talents, in fact. Like um uh, special talents? You changed batteries in the smoke detector? Uh -huh. You sure did. Triple A's. And in six months, you'll have to check them again. Won't mm -hmm. And you're the only baritone in the elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a good way. <laughs> See, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. You're just... special. And so, Buddy was sent where the, the special elves work. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, Fum Fum. I hate to do this to you, but you think you can help me pick up the slack on those etches catches? No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy is killing me. Ernie got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. If he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. I think they're too small. You just special. You don't look so good, buddy. Are you okay? I'll be okay. I just need a glass of water. I told you guys that Buddy is a fantastic embodiment of joy, but you notice he doesn't really start the movie with a lot of joy. Instead, he feels frustrated, overwhelmed, and isolated, which are emotions that a lot of people experience during the Christmas season, aren't they? Buddy's situation reminds us that Christmas can be more stressful than joyful if we aren't careful. Christmas can be more stressful than joyful if we're not careful. You know, movies and like TV shows, commercials, all that, they make it seem like as soon as the calendar hits December 1st, everybody just automatically feels the Christmas spirit. November 31st, you're a miserable wretch, but come December 1st, you wake up with a smile. You're so excited that it's Christmas season. But of course, that's not really the way that it works, is it? In fact, one of the most common descriptions of the Christmas season is not joyful. People say that it's stressful. Buddy was stressed out because he felt different from everyone that was around him. He was stressed because he couldn't keep up with the demands that people placed on him. And even though like all the other elves were very gracious towards him and stuff, he still felt like he was letting everybody down. Instead of having a postcard perfect Christmas, Buddy was having a breakdown in the bathroom, all right? Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate to the pressures of Christmas? It's supposed to be this joyful, cheerful season, and instead it's not. If we aren't careful, the stress of the holiday season can end up over overwhelming us. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed this Christmas. You don't know how you're going to pay for the Christmas gifts that your family wants. I read a stat this week that said 20%, 20% of North Americans are still paying off this Christmas what they bought last Christmas. Like that's, that's a lot of stress to carry around, no doubt, okay? Maybe you're stuck here in Calgary when you'd rather be back home with your family, but you just can't, you can't afford to travel right now. Perhaps your loved one is in heaven and WestJet doesn't fly there yet. So you're like, I still can't go visit them either. Your kids might be with your ex this Christmas. You might actually be resenting the holiday time off you get from work. I don't know if I'm the only one. Like I'm getting two weeks off in between Christmas and New Year's and already I'm mad at my time away because I'm like, I know as soon as I get back, there's gonna be a mountain of work work that's stacked up on my desks. And so on my desk. And so it's like, actually desks, I do have multiple desks. Anyway, um, it's like the Christmas season is supposed to be so full of joy and cheer and happiness. And yet 
it can be very stressful if we're not careful. So if you are feeling overwhelmed and anxious this Christmas, there are two things that you can do. So the first I think you should do is to acknowledge what's causing you stress. Like, go ahead and just acknowledge it. There's no sense in pretending like it's not freaking you out, stressing you out, or overwhelming you right now. Whatever it is, just in the, in the quietness between you and God right now, name it and blame it, okay? Just identify it's a family issue, it's financial, it's health, whatever it might be. I think you should acknowledge what it is that's causing you to feel stressed out and overwhelmed this Christmas. And then, second, I think you should echo the prayer of the psalmist. In Psalm 94, 19, he wrote some incredible words here. This is what the passage says. Listen to this prayer. It's so good. Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. Like, you should be snapshotting this. You should be marking down Psalm 94, 19. I'm gonna need this. You should hold on to this verse because I think it's a very powerful prayer to pray, Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, when I'm not experiencing Christmas cheer, when everybody else seems so happy, when I'm miserable, when my problems feel like they are too big for me to overcome, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. So while Buddy's having his freak out moment there in the bathroom, Papa Elf is actually going to come in. He's going to say something that sets Buddy on a new journey in search of his new family. So let's roll clip number two. It's a lot shorter than the first one. Buddy, I, I think there's something I, I probably should tell you. You should, probably should have found out a, a, long, a long time ago. I then proceeded to tell Buddy of how his father had fallen in love when... He was very young with a beautiful girl named Susan Wells and how Buddy was born and put up for adoption by his mother and how she had later passed away. I, I told him his father had never even known that Buddy was born and most importantly, I told him where his father was in, in a magical land called New York City. My dad works there? Empire State Building. So. I hear you're going on a little journey to the big city. Yep. Uh, kind of nervous. <laughs> Leon says New York is pretty different. Oh, don't pay attention to Leon. He's never been anywhere. He doesn't have any feet. I've been in New York thousands of times. Really? Mm -hmm. What's it like? Well, there are some things you should know. First off, you see gum on the street, leave it there. It's not free candy. Oh. Second, there are like... 30 raised pizzas. They all claim to be the original, but the real one's on 11th. And if you see a sign that says Peep Show, that doesn't mean that they're letting you look at presents before Christmas. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're gonna go ice skating and, and eat sugar plums. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. You know, buddy, your father, well, He's on the naughty list. No! As the uh, movie unfolds, Buddy is going to find his bio dad. He's going to make it to New York City. He's going to travel through the seven levels of the candy cane forest. He's going to move through the uh, sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops. He's even going to walk through the Lincoln Tunnel. But when he does, he's going to come to an important realization. Finding his dad isn't 
the answer he thought it was going to be. Although he finds his original family, it's not like this happy hallmark moment. There's a lot of drama and strife. His dad really isn't very happy to see him. But he comes to an important realization that I think we need to keep in mind during the Christmas season, and that is joy is developed, not discovered. Joy is developed, it's not discovered. See, Buddy had come to believe that the joy he was lacking was like out there somewhere. And if he were just able to get to that place, then he would finally have what it felt like he was missing. If he could just get his real family back in his life, then he would feel loved, he would feel accepted, he would feel like he belonged, he would have a sense of identity. But when he finds his real dad, because his dad's on the naughty list, he doesn't actually experience any of those things. How often are you and I guilty of the exact same thing? We assume that joy and peace are just ahead of us, just out of reach, but we'll get there as soon as I get a promotion or as soon as I get a spouse, as soon as I get a new spouse, as soon as I get the kids out of the house, as soon as I get uh, graduated, get my degree, then I will finally be joyful, happy, peaceful, all the things that I've been waiting to experience. But hear me now, that isn't necessarily true. If you've lived long enough, what you realize is that once you get to the next stage or level, you finally get the thing that you thought you always needed, it just comes with a whole new set of difficulties and problems. Ask any married person. It's like new levels always bring new frustrations and difficulties and things like that with them. And so joy is not something that is discovered out there. Joy is something that is developed from the inside. It is something that can exist in our lives, whether circumstances are going incredibly well or life is not going very well, okay? If you want everything to fall in place in your life, you're waiting for that moment, you're going to be waiting a long time, maybe even a lifetime, waiting for everything to line up just right. But you don't have to let your circumstances determine whether or not you are joyful, whether or not you feel Christmas cheer and joy, whether or not you view life with a, a, a set of, of opt, or with a type of optimism. You can develop this sense of joy right here and now. I like the way Psalm 1611 puts it. Psalm 1611, another one. We're going to spend almost all our time in the Psalms today because we're talking about joy. And the Psalms are like, it's a book in the Bible about emotion. Do you realize that? It's literally, it's the highest highs and the lowest lows. There's stuff in the book of Psalms that when you read it, you're like, that's in the Bible? Whoa, that's crazy. Positive and negative. This happens to be a positive one. Psalm 1611 says, you make known, you God, you make known to me the path of life. Where do I go? How do I experience true joy? What, what should I be focused on during the Christmas season? God, you make known to me the path of life and you, you fill me with joy in your presence. God, you fill me. Not getting a new Xbox, not seeing long lost friends and loved ones. No, God, you're the one that gives me true joy. The psalmist says eternal pleasures are at your right hand. Christmas, even if you experience lots of Christmas cheer and joy, you know what? It's full of temporary pleasure. But eternal pleasures are at God's right hand. See, joy is developed out of a relationship with God. This is where true joy is found, not out of, well, I happen to be experiencing good life circumstances right now. This is exactly what Buddy teaches his coworkers in the movie. See, after he goes to New York City and he encounters his dad and things don't go very well, he gets a job. It's like the job he is perfectly suited for. He becomes an elf at a department store, and he shares his joy with some retail coworkers that are missing a little bit of joy and cheer in their Christmas. So let's roll clip number.
Are you enjoying the view? You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Krampa put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the holiday. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking. Except louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing. Especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? It turns out that uh, that song that Will Ferrell sings there in the moment, he just made up on the spot. It's pretty perfect, right? <laughs> Hey, have you ever heard of the placebo effect? You know what I'm talking about there? So basically, it's this really fascinating thing that goes like this. If you feel sick for some reason, you go to the doctor. The doctor can give you medicine, of course, but the doctor could also, in theory, give you a sugar pill, which has no medicinal value whatsoever. And of course, in drug trials and all that sort of stuff, they actually do this to people. And what's so fascinating is the fact that the doctors give you a pill that actually shouldn't do anything for you, shouldn't make you feel better at all, but the act, of taking a pill tricks your mind into believing that somehow you have now taken medicine and you are not sick anymore. Isn't that fascinating? Like that really blows my mind. That's kind of what Buddy is doing here. Even though she doesn't feel it, he's telling his coworker, if you were to act like you felt it, you would begin to feel it. When you are not feeling Christmas joy, when you're not feeling the Christmas spirit, when you are not feeling particularly thankful or positive or optimistic, hear me, I know this sounds ridiculous. But when you are in your dark moments, if you would start to do the things that you would do if you were feeling great that day, you would actually start to feel great. That's how our bodies work. God gave us this amazing like body hack, and then we choose not to use it. It's really pretty wild, okay? Um, you have to think of joy in the Christmas season as a focus and not a feeling. Too many of us think about it as a feeling. We're just waiting on it to hit us. And if it doesn't hit us, then we're like, well, I guess I'm just not feeling it this year. So I'm not going to decorate. I'm not going to go to holiday parties. I'm, I'm going to scale back. I'm going to stay alone. I'm not going to watch Christmas movies, whatever it might be. We tend to think of joy as a feeling when in reality, it should be something we focus on. Joy is actually something you have to develop. It's something you have to work at. You have to cultivate it. Otherwise, it won't show up. It's not, or it is something rather that you can develop whether or not life is going good or bad. So rather than assuming that you'll feel happy when you finally get home with your family or when you get the promotion at work or when this happens or when that happens, rather than waiting on that moment to show up, just start to cultivate some joy even right now. What would you do if you were feeling especially joyful this Christmas? Because I know some of you are not, but if you were, like if you were Buddy the Elf Christmas is the greatest day of the year ever, then what would you be doing? You'd probably be decorating your house, wouldn't you? 
And there are some of you, and you're like, you've just gotten busy, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's December 11th, there's no point in decorating now. And look, I'm not telling you anybody who hasn't put up a tree yet needs to go home and put up a tree. However, I think there's probably somebody that's here, and you're like, man, I've really been missing joy this Christmas, and I want some joy. Can I tell you, doing something like going home and decorating can actually cultivate a sense of Christmas spirit. It can cultivate a sense of joy inside of you. You would probably smile a lot more if you were feeling great. You're like, well, I don't feel like smiling. I know. But if you start to smile, then you will feel more like smiling. It's this feedback loop that we get into. You probably wouldn't spend your Christmas season alone. Hold up in your house. You would, you would spend it with people that you love. You would put yourself out there. You would invest a bit in your relationships. If you cultivate a bit of joy and Christmas spirit, then you will actually begin to develop those things. You would drink to celebrate and not drink to forget. Are you with me? You would thank God for the good things that you have in your life. Hear me, hear me. You don't have to wait until you feel like doing those things to start doing them. The amazing thing is that feelings often follow behavior. That's why like, if you're like, I don't really, I'm feeling distant from God. I don't want to go to church today. That's the worst choice you could make. The days that you don't feel like being here are the ones that you should be here. In your marriage, the days you don't feel like loving your spouse, those are the days that you should be loving them. You should put in extra effort. Don't pull away. Draw near. Cultivate joy because joy is a focus. It's not a feeling. But hear me, this is not a fake it till you make it message. I'm not telling you like, well, just put on a smile and eventually everything will be okay. I don't know why I was Southern in that moment, but I was. <laughs> I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it because you don't have to fake it. You, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a reason for joy that is more than enough to sustain you through whatever it is that you're going through in life. You have a real reason for Christmas cheer. You have a genuine reason to be joyful, not just in December, but all 12 months throughout the year, you have good reason to have true joy this Christmas. This is sort of illustrated by Buddy in our final clip. I'll tell you why I say sort of after we roll it. Oh, what's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> you know, Buddy reveals in this scene the source of his great joy. The reason that he's always happy and smiling, particularly around the Christmas season, the reason that he doesn't let life circumstances get him down, he, he had to leave his adopted family, he had to leave his home country, he went in search of a family that ended up not wanting him, he's got co-workers who don't understand him, even though he's actually among humans now, he still feels like he doesn't fit in, and yet, he carries around this great joy. What is the source of his great joy? It's the fact that he knows Santa Claus 
personally. When he hears Santa is coming, he is overflowing with excitement. Now, let me be really clear here. The source of our joy this Christmas season is not Santa. Santa's not real. I know, it's crutching. I know. I know. That's why we tell you to put your kids in kids' church, because you don't know what I'm going to say. Santa is a helpful thing when you're six years old. But what about when you're 16 or 36 or 60? Santa's not going to sustain you. Santa isn't enough to give you joy. You know that Santa was invented more or less by the Coca-Cola company to sell you soft drinks. It's true. No, we have a different source for joy. And yet, our source of joy is actually similar to Buddy's source for joy. See, Buddy's source of joy came from who he knew. I know him! He goes crazy in the moment. He's overflowing with joy and excitement. You and I have even more reason than Buddy the Elf to be overflowing with joy because of who we know. The name of Jesus should cause us to get hyped. It should cause us to shout. It should cause us to jump. It should cause us to celebrate because of what he has done for us. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. The sad thing is, there are a lot of Christians that get more excited about Santa than Jesus. There are Christians that get more excited about a promotion than Jesus, more excited about a new car, more excited about a, a, a new relationship, more excited about the things of the world than the creator of the world. The reason that we have joy this Christmas is because of Jesus and everything he's done for us. Jesus said as much himself. In John 15, 11, he spoke these words to the disciples and to me and you as well. He said, I have told you all these things. Everything I've said to you guys, I've said to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How good is that? Everything Jesus said and did was meant to bring great joy to you. It was meant to make you cheerful, meant to make you joyful in God, meant to show you that no matter what life throws at you, you can overcome it, you can face it with a sense of cheer, joy, optimism, and hope. Now, I want, to know, I want you to notice, I want to point out a couple of things here. First off, it's the joy of Jesus inside of us that makes all the difference. You realize that's not your joy. Your, you, your gas tank is on empty. Your joy tank is zero, okay? But Jesus can fill that joy tank. Jesus can give you joy and hope. Jesus can give you love. He can fill you with all of these things. That's actually a work of his spirit inside of you. Second thing I want you to notice is he says, um, I told you all these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What's really interesting is the phrase that he uses here, may be complete, is the exact same phrase that he uses in John 10, 10, where he says, I have come to give you life in all of its fullness, life completely, or as we like to say around here, life overflowing. It's the same phrase. Jesus wants us to be overflowing with joy. Not just a little bit of Christmas spirit, but like over the top, ridiculous Buddy the Elf kind of Christmas joy. This is his desire for me and for you. And it can happen when we know him. 
Knowing him is the key. It is the difference maker. Hear me now. There are things that you want this Christmas. You want to be reunited with your loved ones. And listen, that's amazing. You will, if, you, if that happens, you're going to be so joyful for three or four days, and then they're going to get on your nerves. You want a particular gift for Christmas. You've been begging for it. You're hoping mom, grandma, Santa, somebody gives you this gift, and you're going to get it. But a couple years from now, you're going to be like, that's old tech. I don't even want that anymore. You can get all the things that you think are going to bring you joy. But in the end, Jesus is the only one who will give you eternal joy, eternal pleasures. They exist at his right hand. So my question to you as I wrap up today is, do you know him? Do you know the source of joy? It's not about being on the nice or naughty list, you know? In, in the movie here, and of course in, in folklore in general, Santa, he's, he's pleased with the kids who are good. And the kids who are on the naughty list, he doesn't give them good gifts. He comes to their house, but only to drop off coal. That's like, that's brutal, man. That's mean. I don't know what parent was like, I'm going to start using this wonderful figure of Santa Claus to keep my kid in line, but I'm going to do it. Jesus, God, they don't work that way. Can I tell you something that might be a little bit surprising to you? If there were a nice list and a naughty list up in heaven, every one of y'all is on the naughty list. I'm on the naughty list. I know that sounds harsh and mean. I'm not saying you're a bad person or anything like that. What I'm saying is there is one person on the nice list. His name is Jesus. The reason is because this, in Santa stories, in Elf, you get on the naughty list by doing more bad than you do good. That proves that you've been naughty and not nice this year. But you can jump back and forth between the lists and next year you might be better. You might go on a run of good years, whatever. But, you know, it's a bounce back and forth sort of thing. But when it comes to heaven's nice and naughty list, things operate a little bit differently. Here's what the scripture says. If you've committed one sin, then you're guilty of committing every sin. The only thing it takes to get our names written on the naughty list is to screw up one time ever? Oh man, how many people do you think manage to stay off the naughty list? The answer is zero, okay? There is one person that managed to do it ever and his name was Jesus. And the fact that he's on the nice list is really, really good news for us. Because basically what Jesus did is when he came and he died on the cross, he took all of our mistakes, everything we ever did that got us put on the naughty list, and he paid for them. He made them right with God so that we could be transferred from the naughty list over to the nice list. Now that doesn't mean that we're always nice. It doesn't mean that Christians are never naughty. What it means is that in God's eyes, it's as if we had never broken the law in the first place. This is the reason that I have for joy. I know what list I was on. I know what I should have gotten from God. And yet, because of his great love for me, because of Jesus' willing sacrifice on my behalf, I was able to be transferred from naughty to nice, from death to life, from dark to light. I could rap forever about this stuff, you guys. I get hyped when I think about what Jesus did for me. That gives me great joy. Not the holiday, not the commercialization, not the parties and the tinsel and the decoration. It is what Jesus has done for me that sustains me each and every Christmas. And I hope 
that it's what sustains you this Christmas as well. And so I'm gonna invite everyone here in the room, bow your heads, close your eyes, because I believe there are people that are here and you're saying, I need that kind of joy in my life. The joy that comes from knowing that my mistakes are forgiven. My sins have been paid for. I want a joy that will sustain me no matter what's going on in life. If that's you, then I'm gonna invite you to repeat this simple prayer after me. Just between you and God, in the quietness of your heart, you could say, dear Jesus, I need your forgiveness today. Thank you for dying for me and for paying for my mistakes. I pray today that you would come into my life and give me everlasting joy. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want to welcome you to the family of God. And I promise you, things are different now. So we're going to invite you to take the card that's in the um, seat back in front of you. Mark it off. Let us know that you made a decision today, either to start or restart a relationship with God. That way we can pray for you. And if you have questions or you need some help as you learn what it means to live with Jesus every single day, then um, we're here for you. We can help you, okay? No matter what, my prayer this Christmas is that each of you experience true joy. That if you are feeling down, if you're feeling Uh, empty, drained of Christmas spirit, that you would lean in. You would try. You would give it a go. Because Christmas is not about the movies. It's not about the decorations. It's not about the presents or the parties. Christmas is ultimately about Jesus and what he did for us 2,000 years ago. 